Welcome to Leader Horse Water. I'm Trudy Dempsey. I'm your host and this is the Behaviour and Training Podcast. Uh, we are partway through our deep dive into cues and this is a bite-sized amount, I hope, on cues where I'm going to dig in a little bit to stimulus control. So let's break down to begin with. What is stimulus control? Stimulus, remember, can just be a cue. That's really straightforward language, a cue. So cue control. This doesn't technically mean control of the animal that you're training. So it might feel like it is, but it's your ability to control the language, the cues, the communication. Of course, we could argue that therefore we get some amount of control of the animal, the horse, through that. Yes, of course, we have to accept that. But the intent with me in creating stimulus control, cue control, is about having a broad language of as many cues that are clear and well understood by my learner. So it's not about controlling the animal per se, although cues could be used for that. So cue control, stimulus control, has four criteria that are essential. So if you have all these four, then you have complete stimulus control. The behavior that you cue is offered immediately when the cue is given. That discriminative stimulus is given, cue, behavior. So we're walking along, I cue halt, horse halts, bingo. I've, I've got some amount of stimulus control. Most of us would accept that that is good enough. That's all I need. I need it to work when I need it to work, fine. Good, but is that as clear as it can be? Next one, the behavior doesn't occur in the absence of that cue. So if I don't cue halt, my horse doesn't halt. Hmm. Well, that's handy too. Although we could argue that if our horse halts for some reason, and this is a whole other podcast, if our, if our horse halts for some reason and it wasn't cued, then we'd want to know the reasons around that. But just in terms of stimulus control, we want that behavior not to occur without us giving the cue. Third in the list of stimulus control, that behavior shouldn't occur in response to another cue. So if I'm walking along and I ask for trot and my horse stops, my halt behavior is occurring in response to another cue that doesn't link with it. So these are quite important if you think about it. These are just digging down to be really refining your cues so that your horse really truly understands what you're asking at any one time. And the fourth criteria, criterion of the four, is that no other behavior will occur in response to your cue. So when I'm asking for halt, I don't get something else. I don't get, if I'm trotting along and I ask for halt, I don't get a walk, I don't get a canter, I get a halt. I don't get a step back if I'm asking for halt from walk, I just get a halt. So those four criteria really tighten up your cues. And I wonder how many of us, with any of our animals that we're training, but particularly with horses where I see very, very mucky training, I wonder how many of us could fulfill those four criteria when we're teaching. When we're teaching a cue, how good are we at meeting those four criteria? I'm going to admit that I sense a huge amount of relief when the first one happens. 
when I'm starting to see that behavior happen. So I cue the halt and I start to see the horse associate in its brain with that cue that it's gonna slow its feet down and stop. And I'm, I'm very excited, as are probably all of you. And that is really hard because then you can get stuck in that, yay, I've got it. And then you go, oh, I think I'll do another one now. Let's do another cue. But actually, are we taking the data to know that that behavior doesn't occur when we're cueing something else? How often have I talked to you about hot behaviors and how when we have a hot behavior that we've been putting a lot of reinforcement into, which is often bizarrely the things like stepping back, touching a target, uh, waggling a leg for Spanish walk. So, you know, when we start to put all that into a new behavior we're training, can we be sure that criterion two, that behavior doesn't occur in the absence of the stimulus? Can we be sure that we won't get a waggling leg, that we won't get steps back even when we didn't ask for it? So the horse has a moment and goes, okay, I've offered you the steps back. Um, what do I do now? Well, the hot behavior is stepping back. So maybe I'll just slot some more backing in because that's going to earn me reinforcement as quickly as possible. So it's very easy for that second one to happen. And how can we help that? Well, we will, I will often use what I term cue support. Now, I'd, I honestly don't know whether I made that up or I stole it from somebody else. It's very likely I stole it from someone else, but I can't remember ever having heard it from anyone else. So if anyone does know where that came from, please tell me because I really love to um, you know, cite people who have done this great work and come up with things. Um, so I'd be very happy to link that back to whoever did come up with it. But anyway, I refer to them as support cues. So instead of having asked for, for instance, a step back, the horse takes that step back, mark it. In that moment when the horse goes, help, what do I do now? Oh, I think I'll step back. Before you get to that moment, you can offer a cue that they already know. Stand, wait is obviously a really good one. And I can mark that so that I'm often only working on my new cue for the stepping back. Uh, one out of maybe five or six other behaviors. I might use a fist target, I might use stand still, I might use walk on steps because I don't want the horse to be totally, totally drawn in to keep offering me that because then that second criterion of the behavior occurring in the absence of the stimulus is going to happen quite a lot as the horse looks for support and doesn't know what to do, it's gonna take those steps back. And the other two are just really common sense, aren't they? That that behavior doesn't occur in response to another stimulus. That's just about clarity. How can you do that? Well, you keep at it. You keep training those behaviors. I hate the word drill, but I just keep trying to think of, I do my exercises, let's call it that, my, my more micro shaping exercises where I might ask for three or four different behaviors and I will test that I have on some amount of stimulus control. So I might stand in the yard and ask for walk, click, halt, click, step back, click, you know, so that I'm really building up the amount that I'm putting into each one. So really that's what we're gonna add once we start to get partway into training that behavior. I had a great meeting the other evening in Positive Horse Club and one of the great questions was, where, how do you plan that? How do you plan to add in 
giving some stimulus control, uh, adding in that dis discrimination that the horse will absolutely understand what you're talking about. Well, mm, it's not easy because, as I say, after that first level of we've taught this and wow, it's so exciting, we just want to move on. We're human, to be fair. But for me, that's the time that you start to add the difficulty. So along with your support cues of saying, OK, we can do this, we can we can train the new cue and I can give you some of your already known cues, which is why, for instance, I start everything not with target touching, but with the horse learning to stand still and the get and the marker. I very quickly move on from that. But that's why I start there, because for me, that is such a useful behavior to be able to add in later that I really don't want to start messing around with you know, other things at the beginning. So yeah, adding in that discrimination, bringing yourself to the point where you have good stimulus control is boring. I'll be honest, it's quite boring, but I love it. I mean, maybe I'm just sad, but I love the fact that I might be able to stand in front of my horse and give three different cues and look the same way. You know, that's what's important. I just stand there and I say, walk, uh, back, wait, and the horse understands all of those things. Whatever I do, and I need to fade in those difficulties, like me moving about while I give the cue, uh, or after I've given the cue. So there's lots of things that you need to add in later, those well, always referred to as the Ds, the, the difficulties, the distractions, the duration. We need to add that in later. I am going to talk a, a little about duration in one of the episodes uh, that comes up in future. Uh, but for now, just wanted to touch on the language of stimulus control. So right at the beginning, what do you need to do to get some sort of stimulus control? Well, first of all, I would, of course, say uh, hop on a course with me and I'll help you with all that. Um, I have very soon coming up at Understand Horses, my new course, uh, which is really a revamped one of previous courses with Improve Your Positive Reinforcement course, now going under the title of Understand Clicker Training for Horses. And what I've done is open it up for people who are pretty new to it, but it equally serves people who enjoyed my coaching course where they already had a good level of knowledge about clicker training but they just wanted to sharpen bits up so it really will span across many levels of ability um, so that's coming up in the new year so do sign up at understandhorses.com for their newsletter to find out about that or check in with me it's all on my website www.equine.training and, and also very soon if you're listening to this when it first comes out my IABC course looking at pain and discomfort and how we can tell between pain and whether something is fear or or whatever that the behavior is based on so again that's uh, IABC and you can find that on my website so yeah what how do we work right at the beginning to think about stimulus control number one define your behavior how many of you go out there when you're training and don't even think about what am I training you know you're training walk, you know you're training halt, but what, what does that look like? What do you want it to look like? I mean, for me, when I'm training walk, the first thing I'm going to do is connect the moment in the horse's brain where it, it thinks to move its feet with my, you know, my cue, or which will very much at the beginning be an environmental cue. So it might be 
luring them forwards with a target. It might be me moving my feet. Whatever the cue is, I want to capture the moment that the horse connects between its brain and its physical self and, and, and sort of starts that motion. So I'm really going to put a lot of effort into this is what it is at the beginning. So for me, my very first thoughts of a movement behavior are that connection between the brain and the body that I can see evidence of on the outside. I can't tell when it's inside. I'd love to be a mind reader. I'd love to be able to tell the emotions of my horses and lots of other things. But what I'm really interested in to begin with is just that moment where that links with that behavior. Then I can build on that. So for me, right at the beginning, it's what do I want my horse to do? I want it to connect in its brain the idea that we're taking a step. And then I can define whether I want it to go on for X amount of time until I ask the horse to do something else. Or do I want it to take, in the case of Rainback, do I want it to be a very discreet four steps every time I do it? Uh, and, and then in what way do I always want them to step back straight? So before I start to work on adding a cue, and again, that's another episode, how do we add and when do we add a cue? But right at the beginning, before I've even thought of what my cue will be, I need to define the behavior. What's it going to look like? Where's it going to be used? And that makes a big difference. And also the biggie for me, save yourself some time. Is this behavior happening elsewhere in you and your horse's life? Because if it is, pick it up for free. If when you open a gate and walk through with your horse, your horse is taking backward steps, then that's dead easy. You just say, you know, hold fire here. Let me put my cue in. So as you're unhooking the gate, just before the horse steps back, you give your cue and then you open the cue, the gate, sorry, <laughs> cue's coming out my ears. And then you open the gate, which is functioning as the environmental cue for stepping back. And bingo, after not very long, you're going to have a cue transfer and that's going to have done an awful lot for you. The other thing that is such a big tip when we're thinking about cues for behavior is doing it in as many places as you can. People are often saying to me, I don't get time to train, especially in the winter, in the mud. Yeah, yeah, I've had horses in the UK. It's a pain in the neck. And when you have a job as well, even if your job's with horses, it is still a pain, the mud and the time and the lack of daylight. But if you are doing anything on a daily basis with your horse, like feeding them, bringing them in to check their feet, anything like that, then you can add little tiny moments. Don't let them be wasted. That's it's just silliness. Most of my training is opportunistic, whether it's with my dogs, whether it's with clients' horses. If I do something, I make sure I'm, I'm on a win all the time in terms of my time. That's not winning against the horse. You know, I don't use that sort of language, but um, you know, it's all about trying to save as much as you possibly can to get more stimulus control so that you can use that language, that wonderful, colorful language that you could have with your horse. It's worth putting the time in. You know, think about it. Maybe if you had 10 cues that were under stimulus control, you would have the best life with your horse because it would understand you. I think even if you had five, you would get on so beautifully. So stimulus control is important because it defines the language so clearly for your horse and it eliminates a lot of the confusion that you might find when you're using any cues, whether they're taught with negative or positive, matters not. The confusion can 
come. Just because we're using food doesn't mean we don't add confusion. So think about whether you have any behaviours under stimulus control. Let me know and please share the podcast with other geeky behaviour and training nerds that you might have. Share it on Facebook for me, please, because it makes such a difference. This is a gift to you. I don't charge a halfpenny for the podcast. I don't make a halfpenny out of the podcast. So it's really because I love to disseminate this knowledge to other people. So today we've looked at stimulus control. Google it. Yeah, look in your training book. See if you see anything about that. Um, it's really talking about having that ability to clearly communicate to you know like with us in English having those very weird things like the same word spelt differently meaning several things you know like there was a bear in the woods or I was bear in the woods whole different whole different language going on there that's why it's important for us to build that communication I've gone on longer than I wanted to it's been great uh, spending this time digging in and Um, I really look forward to next time. See you soon.